Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat post-game podcast, presented by Caddyshack Golf, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat postgame podcast following a very disappointing performance by the Kansas State Wildcats at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, a 24-20 defeat to West Virginia. The Cats started fast and ended with a thud. It wasn't a good day um, for the Cats. We're going to get into it all through this show. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of Go PowerCat, joined by one of our GPC football analysts, Brian Hanley, and we're sitting here in the WTC TC Gig Pirate Studios, but we are sponsored by Caddy Shack Golf. Caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyShackGolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing Willie apparel, accessories, and more. Use the code GPC for free shipping on your next order, and we will have a Caddy Shack Golf question of the week. In our second half of this podcast, we got great questions from Wabash Station from the fans, really seeking some answers. So Brian and I will pick those off in the second half. But here in the first half, we're going to really dig into this game. And and Brian, someone put it really well to me as we left. In fact, it was Michael Goins, our, uh, one of our analysts and, and columnists here at Go Cat. He said that felt like K-State got Bill Snydered. The stats seem to favor K-State in that game, and yet it was West Virginia that walks away with the win because they simply made plays and got it done when they needed to get it done. It looked like West Virginia, despite the stats and some of the things you might look for in terms of victory, was just the more precise team. Turnovers, penalties, and making that tackle when they had to make a tackle. Yeah, it was it's a pretty disappointing effort. You know, one of the things that Coach Snyder used to always say, now it didn't happen too often in 97 and 98, but he would say, don't let one week roll over into the next week. Right. And it looked like the guys were just devastated over losing to Texas the way, and then it, they just didn't. I mean, we had the great start to the game offensively, and then nothing. You know, it just, it, they, they just fell flat. It was, 
it was it just wasn't a good effort. I was really disappointed. Uh, I thought this was going to be a, a turning point. You know, I thought we'd turn the corner, but you know, it's part of growing pains, part of building the program. But we got to be better. We got to be better. That that was that wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. And it's just a very frustrating way to come home after two road games. You get bowl eligible. Now you've lost two in a row. You've gone from six to two, six and two to six and four. You're kind of sliding right now. It's a little bit disappointing. But boy, the start of the game seemed to point to a big day for the Cats. Then again. They did this at Texas. They scored on the third play of the game. Today, they scored on the first play of the game as Skylar Thompson went right over the top to Dalton Schoen for 68 yards. And when I asked Chris Kleiman about what's wrong with the WVU defense on Tuesday, he said they give up big plays. And I was struck by the fact they came out of the gate and they went for the big play. Uh, and that was it. They never really went back to the big play against them. Nope. They tried to establish the run. They tried to do the things they want to do offensively. And while I'm a believer in sticking with what your plan is, sometimes you got to abort and do the things that beat your opponent. In this, in this right. case was they're a pretty good run defense for whatever reason. I think it's schematically Vic Canning is a good coordinator. and they, But they give up stuff over the top. And they just didn't go look for it later in the game. It, that was really disappointing to me. Yeah, they, they, we didn't take enough chances. And we we kind of said the same thing last week when we kept trying to run the ball, and we weren't. They Texas just refused to let us run it. Yeah, West Virginia is kind of the same way. It wasn't necessarily that they refused to let us run it. I mean, we got our plays here and there, but it just wasn't going to be there. We just needed to, to take advantage of what they give you. And we didn't do that. We didn't. We didn't go out and and aggressively attack them anymore. And even when you know I'm here sitting here watching it, even on the TV broadcast, they kept saying it. You know that they they just kept saying that no big plays, nothing over the top after the first game or first play. And I'm like, when are we going to do that? And we never did. Never did. That's crazy. Let's hear the call here from Wyatt Thompson of the 68-yard touchdown connection between Thompson and Schoen. And, of course, these highlights are courtesy of the Learfield IMG Kansas State Sports Network. Skyler Thompson is in the pistol. Gets the snap. Fakes to the back. Wants to throw on first down. Winds up and headed for the home run. It's Schoen. He's got it at the 20. 10. Angles left. Touchdown. Touchdown, Kansas State. He beat Keith Washington. Just like that, the Wildcats with a bomb and a surprise of the Mountaineers. Well, it looked like it was going to be a good day at the Bill, and for many ways it was. Let me just run through some of this. K-State had 23 first downs to 17 for West Virginia. K-State threw for 299, West Virginia 234. Here's the one that really might surprise you. K-State had more rushing yardage, 122 to 85. It seemed like West Virginia was gashing the Wildcats pretty good in reality. The Wildcats, while it wasn't very good, averaged slightly more per carry than West Virginia. And you get down to the big number that K-State always wants to control, and that is, of course, time of possession. And that was 35-25 in K-State's favor. Problem being, they had a turnover and an interception. They had penalties. Where's the penalty number here? Because that really stuck out. Well, how about this? 
West Virginia had more penalties, 8 for 70. K-State had 7 for 72. But K-State's really stung, including yeah. the trade to Sean penalty on a missed field goal, which I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, right. he tra- it looked like he tried to hurdle the line, but instead landed on the uh, exposed snapper, which is a penalty. It was an easy call and uh, set up uh, continued the drive and set up a touchdown for the Mountaineers. It was just that kind of day, and at this point we need to have a discussion these penalties, very un-Snyder-like in the way they've been popping up, and discipline continues to be a problem for this team. And that's a little troubling because I think this is the first time you can point to it and say the penalties, the lack of self-control on some things cost this team a win, and I think that's really the case in this game. Well, the thing about it is, I mean, I'm the son of an old football coach, and either you're coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. So right. uh, one of the two things have to happen. We've got to get it cleaned up. We've got to get it cleaned up. Uh, I believe the coaching staff, you know, I believe them. I know they're, they're doing the, the things necessary, but, you know, we can't keep having these types of penalties, these miscues. We're not talented enough to keep having these kinds of things. I mean, they're drive killers. They're drive killers for the extremely talented. They're drive killers for every football team. You know, and we just can't, the way we play, we can't afford to be behind the sticks. We can't afford to keep drives alive. We just, that's that's a recipe for disaster. And today was a perfect example. A team that you're better than, you allow them to stay around. You allow them. I mean, it's the classic. You allow them to hang around and hang around. And well, then there you go. And they made a couple more plays than we did, and they beat us. Yep. And Skylar Thompson need to make one more play and under through Dalton Schoen on that last play. He knew it as soon as he let the ball go. It wasn't going to get there. He was throwing it into the wind and I think just underestimated how much he needed to get on it. Uh, and game over at that point. It was really frustrating. But really for Kansas State, in my book, it came down to their inability to run against a three and four man front. Didn't matter what West Virginia put out there. They mixed it up quite, quite well. But K-State couldn't consistently get its running game or its offense going. Let's hear from Coach Kleiman about all of that. We need to run the ball better, bottom line. I, I didn't think we were able to rush the football uh, well enough uh, for what we need to do. Uh, they did. They they slant, angled, did a lot of different things. You know, we ended up with getting over 120 yards, but we, uh, I thought they uh, they won the line of scrimmage, and and, uh, uh, and then we just didn't make any explosive plays, and that's that's the big thing is we had the explosive play to start the game, and probably that's the sometimes the best thing that happens to you and the worst thing that happens to you because you kind of exhale for a moment like, oh, this is going to be uh, one of those games and we make a big play to start with and then we never really got any explosive plays after that. Just a very, very maddening day because there were so many opportunities here. And it looked like West Virginia was the more motivated team. The Mountaineers came in at 3-6. and six. K-State was 6-3. and three. They looked like the better coach team. And and honestly, Jared Deggy, the quarterback, brought something to them that they haven't had. In a, and he has been redshirting. And because of the new rule, he can play these last four games and maintain that redshirt. He's a Ball State transfer. It, it's... Uh, it was uh, tough to watch. It really was. It uh, it was difficult to watch a team come into Bill Snyder Family Stadium and just seem like the better prepared team. Is, is that the case to you? Do you think they just uh, – sometimes I think too much is put into wanting it more, but it sure looked that way. Yeah, it did. And it looked like they were the hungry team. looked like they were more prepared team. Um, they looked like they had more fire. Like I said, it looked like the guys were just 
devastated from the week before because I believe, and we all believe, they should have won the football game. They didn't, and they let one week beat them the next week. And that is the definition of what you can not do. Coaching staff, leaders on the football team, you can't put it all on coaching staff. You got to get guys prepared. You got to get guys ready because it was the definite, the the situation, it was an obvious Hey, we're coming off of a game we felt like we should have won against a good opponent. Now we're playing somebody that we're better than. So we're going to kind of go through the motions. And you went through the motions and you got beat. So it, it, it's, it's a bad day. I mean, we, we can, you know, spin it and do whatever we want to it. But let's just be honest. It was a bad day. It really was. I, you just had a bad feeling throughout that second half, even when K-State came out. And scored to open the second half. You know, they had an opportunity to go down the field at the end of the second quarter and end up settling for the field goal. They trailed at halftime. But they come out, and they go right down the field and score to take that 20-16 to 16 lead. Uh, and the big play on that was another throw to Dalton Schoen on the third down, and K-State was able to convert that into a first down. Let's hear that real quick. Thompson in the pistol. Gets it. Throws it. Nice pass to the 10, to the 5, to the 4. First down shown. First and goal at the five, they say. Kerry Martin brings him down at the five-yard line. And a few plays later, they found some running room in the uh, running game with James Gilbert. And they went to the option. I believe it was the only time we saw the option in the entire game. I wonder about that a little bit. But here's the touchdown. Let's hear that real fast. Down 14 to 13. Here's the option. Thompson pitches it. And a walk-in touchdown for James Gilbert. 7.56 to go in period three. And K-State back in front. It's 19 to 14. Big time play there. You had to feel good right then. I mean, they came out and they did what they had to do to start the third quarter. And things looked good. But they just didn't get any traction after that, did they? Nope. Couldn't get anything going. Couldn't stop them. Couldn't consistently get off the field. Um, it just, it just wasn't good. You know, one thing is, is that, you know, and we've talked about it a couple of times. We've been settling for field goals when we should be getting touchdowns. And this was another case where we settled for some field goals when it came back to bite us. I mean, we gotta be, especially against the team that you are better than. We are a better football team than West Virginia. We just are. We have better coaches. We have better players. We're a better football team than they are. And we just came out lackluster. And when you settle for field goals, it's like I mentioned earlier, when you just let teams hang around, they, they just beat us. It just We just couldn't get anything going. It was like we couldn't, just couldn't get up to the hill, much less get over the hill. We just couldn't get there. And uh, learning experience, right. learning experience. It's all part of the process, and I remind people that, uh, you know, I'm pretty optimistic at 6-4. and four. It's hard to put that in full context that right after you lose a game that you really should have won. You've lost two in a row, but I'm not satisfied with 6-4, and four, but uh, I, I see hope in 6-4. and four. I thought this was a 6-win team in my optimistic view, and they have a chance to add to that next week when they go to Texas Tech, which was beaten today in Lubbock by TCU in a good, very good game. And they come home and play a pretty good Iowa State team to close the season, but those games are generally chaos. There's, there's still things to accomplish in the season, 
And they have to learn these lessons, and they have to figure out uh, how to be more consistent within this climbing system because this was not a consistent performance. This was a frustrating, frustrating day at the office, and I don't know how else to put it. You know, like I said, I just read through all those stats, and uh, it's just hard to explain how you lose that game just looking at the stats, but they did do that. Very Snyder-esque-like, and also that final interception – Really stole a great day from Skylar Thompson. 24 of 39. He did end up with the two interception, a career-high interceptions, a career-high 299 through the air, one TD. He was sacked a couple of times, but they really did a nice job tickling that last drive, checking down to those running backs, using a lot of running back tosses. Um, Jordan Brown had five catches in the game. James Gilbert had four catches. So they tried to mix it up. They got a little more creative. But was this a case where they just kind of stuck with the run too much? I mean, you can't abandon the run. You never can abandon the run. But I'm a big believer in using the run to set up the pass. But I also realize you can use the pass to set up the run. And I thought in the second half they started to do that with the way they came out. And then they went right back to run first. And I I just thought they got out of sorts in play calling and execution. Yeah, it was, you know, coaching – can be sometimes you're going to outthink yourself and think that you have to go. This is the game plan. Kind of what you mentioned earlier, Tim, is that you got to go with what, okay, this is our game plan. This is what we thought. Well, no, you have to be able to make adjustments. And that's one thing that as a coaching staff, we have not really done that well is making adjustments in game when things aren't working. We've had several games where we have to be a, we, we've needed to make some adjustments and go to it and do it. And we haven't done that. And today was another example of that. And it's, we got to get that corrected. We've just got to be able to make in-game adjustments and attack what teams are doing, both offensively and defensively. I mean, we can, it's not just the offense. Got to do it defensively, too. We got to I mean, again, uh, the tackling reared its ugly head yeah. again today, just kind of getting gashed. It's, you know, we just got to get better. We got to get better. However, kind of going back to what you said before, at the beginning of the season, I thought if we won six, six games, I would be ecstatic. And we're here. But the problem is, is that we we got to six and, okay, we gave away two games that we should have won. And so, for me, it's a, it's a disappointment. It's, it's a disappointment that we didn't win the games. The season isn't a disappointment because we can still get to eight wins. We can still you know, achieve some things that no, I don't believe anybody thought that we were going to be able to do. So I'm still excited about it. I just want the guys to learn and understand it's a fight every single week. You got to go out there and give it your best every single week. Uh, because this is a, uh, this is a perfect example of when you don't, this is big boy football. You get beat. So we just got to learn from this, go to next week and understand, Hey, this was a bad week understand that and get better next week and let's go win. You know, this is a game that I just feel like K-State couldn't get that little break they needed to get to the next thing. And there's no way I'm blaming officials for this, but like the punt, that was a good call. At least some people said they saw possession of the ball or contact to the ball while uh, the player was out of bounds. But it looked to me like, and I'm, I'm, it was Landry Weber or whoever, it looked like they contacted the ball inbound and then the ball flew past the pylon, even if it was 
outside right. the boundary, that's a touchback. That's a good call. You end up exactly. at, the, at the two, maybe something different happens. There apparently was a late hit on Skylar Thompson along the sideline. I couldn't see it from my vantage point. Never saw a replay. People are pretty adamant that based on the way the game's been called throughout the season, that should have been a penalty. I personally thought the hit on Skylar Thompson was targeting. He's a defenseless player, um, and there was helmet-to-helmet contact. I, I think that, I mean, even though it wasn't the crown of the helmet, I still think it fits the definition of a defenseless player. They didn't get that call. They got the unsportsmanlike, but they didn't get the targeting. And then the Joshua Youngblood, when he was clearly hit before the ball got there. Um, oh, yeah. And, and that pass interference really could have changed it. With all that said, you got to make your own breaks in some games, and you can't rely on an official making a call. <clears throat> and I just – Almost felt like at times K-State were observers. The players were observers in this game, waiting for something good to happen instead of showing the ability to make something good happen. It, it was just yep. maddening to watch. And as we go to break here, we got some great questions from Wabash Station, so we're going to do that in the second half. And let us take a break right now and, and uh, gather ourselves and, and uh, get these questions together. But let's hear from Jordan Mitty, the K-State senior defensive lineman. I thought he put it really well on the Wildcat Sports Network and the Kansas State Sports Network when he uh, talked to Matt Walters after the game. Here's Mitty about what went wrong in this game. You know, I hope, you know, we as a team weren't overlooking these guys because, you know, they're a really capable team. But, you know, once once you see that happen, you know, you kind of try to, you know, get the guys around you, you know, just try to get everyone going. And, you know, we did that. But, you know, I think it was kind of too little too late. Stay locked in. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. They uh, played better than we did today, and, and uh, I thought they did the little things a lot better than we did, and uh, uh, they were able to find a way to get the victory, and, and uh, we have to learn from it. We've got to continue to grow and move forward, and, and uh, we can't point fingers. We have to look at ourselves first, and that starts with myself and our coaching staff, and uh, give those guys credit. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Our friends at Caddyshack will give you free shipping if you go to their site uh, and use the code GPC. It's for K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories, Caddyshack Golfwear, Caddy with two Ts. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com. And we do have a lot of great questions 
questions from Wabash Station, and one of them will be our Caddyshack Golf question of the week, and we will be notifying them that they are getting a gift certificate from Caddyshack Golf on, so they can get a nice discount on their order. And, uh, Brian, let's just jump right in, and I, I'm going to take this one because uh, you are a former offensive lineman for Kansas State, and KSU Cisco wants to know this. What is it about a three-man front that causes K-State so many problems? You know, I, I, I like to be able to say I know. The only thing that I can think of is that the guys are really athletic and they're running around and they're, they're slanting and twisting. But Baylor played a three-man front, and that's not what Baylor did. Baylor's guys were just big and strong and just stood us up at the line of scrimmage. So I don't know what it is. I think sometimes we overthink ourselves. I think play calling has a little bit to do with it. Um, I just I don't know. I really don't know. It just seems like they get in a three-man front. But, but a lot of them played four-man front today, too. Yeah, they did. And like, we couldn't run the football against that either. So it, it just it's baffling. But I think sometimes we just kind of we get in our own way, and it just it was just bad. I don't know. Hey, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. It just <laughs> it's just one of those things where there I, I can't answer the question because there's the answer that I want to give. It's not it's not a consistent answer because usually it's hey the guys are really big or hey they do a lot of different things. Well, they don't. These teams aren't tricking us. They're just lining up in three-man front, and we can't figure it out. Let's stick with the offensive line weekend escapade with a little uh, statement here leading into the question. <clears throat> Excuse me. I understand we don't have the most athletic offensive line, but is it unacceptable to get pushed around like that as a unit that has experience? At what point is it acceptable to start questioning Coach Connor Riley's ability to get these guys ready? Well, I don't know that we're going to start questioning uh, the the coaching to get guys ready because they played OU, and OU's got some guys on that defensive front that are going to play on Sundays, and they did a pretty good job against OU. So it's it when it starts being inconsistent like that, a lot of it has to do with the kids just have to be prepared. They not prepared. They just have to be ready to play and go out. Now some of it's play calling too, but I don't want to blame the coaching staff on on coaching the guys. It's not about always having the most athletic offensive linemen because number one, defense alignment are always going to be more athletic than offensive linemen across the board. That's just the way it works. Right. But as far as the blocking schemes and what we do, I think we just need to get more consistent with the play calling when it comes to that to help us, to help the offensive line. Because, again, when you're going against the guy that has more athletic ability than you right off the bat, you got to do things to help yourself. And we don't do – we haven't done that on a more enough, a consistent enough basis, you know, and today was another example of that, you know, you should just run the ball downhill at them and you know what, but use the pass to set up the run because they won't get a ton of pressure on us. No. I mean, they, you know, Skylar tends to scramble into pressure, right? you know, always running right when he doesn't have to do that. He, he you know, instead of stepping up in the pocket, 
he runs right. Well, running right isn't always the right thing to do because you're running into pressure, you know? So uh, I, I think we're overthinking it if we're trying to blame the coaches for getting the guys ready. And that's not the problem. That isn't it. Well, they're experienced guys. Maybe this group doesn't quite fit what Connor Riley wants to do. Uh, but That could be it. You know, That's right. Um, and they are some pretty big guys that may not move quite as well. I think they want a little more athleticism up front. But I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. You need big dudes in the Big 12. If you're just yeah, relying you on athletes, they're going to get shoved into the backfield on, yeah. against some of these defenses. It's It's just a different Ooh. thing. Well, I mean, you think about it, just look at NFL offensive lines. Those guys are big. Now, they're big and athletic, but they're still not the best athletes on the football field. And, you know, you have to have big people. That's the way that it works in football. you got to have big guys. you got to be able to move another man when they don't want to be moved. That's a hard thing to do. And if you're just, you know, if you're super athletic and you're not big and powerful – that's not going to work. I think and you got to have that. I think they need to go out and find more point guards uh, that are <laughs> offensive linemen like yourself. I think that's that's the solution here that we're searching for. Let's stick with something here <laughs> that uh, you brought up, and it is something that bothered me. Skyler played a really good game in some ways. In other ways, he fell back into his bad habits, which is flushing to the right, which is flushing into trouble. And sometimes when he does that, he puts the ball away and doesn't look downfield long enough or he absolutely refuses to just throw the ball away and he'll run out of bounds for an eight-yard loss instead of chucking the ball out of bounds and and taking the incompletion. It's really strange. Fullis Nelson asked this, will Skyler be able to conquer some of these mental roadblocks and become the top, uh, top conference quarterback? Uh, you know, you thought he was on his way to doing that. And, you know, and statistically, it looked like he played a good game today, but it was mind, just mind boggling and just infuriating to see him just, even at the end of the game, time is not on our side. And he's running to get a three. I'm like, just throw the ball away to save the time. The down isn't going to mean anything. So who cares if we gain two yards and he ran out of bounds, like just throw it away. Yeah. And he doesn't do that. And it's kind of like what I mentioned. He runs into trouble a lot, and you can't consistently do that against good teams. you got to just sit in there. You're going to get hit. That's the way football works as a quarterback. You're going to get hit. But you got to sit in there, and you got to make the throws. And I know we don't necessarily have the best receiving core, but we don't have a bad receiving core. Those guys can get open. And we just got to be able, he's got to be able to sit in there and make the throws. Again, I don't want to bash him because he played really, really good the last three weeks. But today wasn't one of those days. Mm-hmm. I know statistically it looks good, and it was good, you know. And it, it, at times it was good enough to win, but it was just he's, he's got to get over some of those mental mental mistakes, those mental things, and take the next step. If he can do that the next two games in the bowl game and go into next year, he can be that. But he's got to be able to take that that next step. You know, the reality is, and we we said this early in the season, the problem with this Kansas State team is they just don't have the depth you would want 
at this level to withstand the injuries. They've lost Sammy Wheeler, the most athletic of their tight ends now for the season. Joaquin Gill was unavailable after being uh, cheap-shotted at Texas and going into concussion protocol. They've been nicked up at running back. I don't think either running back looked the same. There was one play in particular where Jordan Brown clearly had a running angle, and earlier in the season he would have darted through it, and this time he got he got picked up. I mean, they, they were able to get him to the ground. It just didn't look like Jordan had the same explosion that he's had. Uh, I just think they're kind of running low on uh, ammo right now, and they've just got to find a way to create something uh, out of what they have. But you're right. They still got playmakers. We saw one heck of a play from Landry Weber making a big catch early in the game, and uh, they, you just you just got to play with what you got. You can't worry about what you yeah. don't have. But right. with that said, here's our uh, Caddyshack Golf Question of the Week from 11th and Carney. I think this is a really good question, and, and I included this because I think it's something to, to discuss. Uh, here's what he has to say. To me, the biggest thing K-State needs immediately to make this offense go are more competent tight ends and fullbacks, and I would say more athletic tight ends and fullbacks. Those positions are so vital in this offense, and we just don't have anybody there right now. This offense does, Brian, want to throw to the tight end. It does want to full throw to the fullbacks, but they don't seem like guys that can be fully incorporated into this offense right now because they just don't fit what they probably want. Yeah, that's that's the case. You know, it's hard to to find all those guys in a one recruiting class, right. and you know, it's going to take some time to get those guys. You know, we, we want to throw to the fullback, we want to throw to the tight end. You know, but a couple times we've tried to throw to the tight end this year, and they dropped the football. Right. So, you know, we, we've got to we, – I think it's just going to take some time. Guy, people, as far as, as fans, we're going to have to just be patient when it comes to that because it's going to be a roster overhaul. And so that doesn't happen with one or even two recruiting classes. So we just got to be patient with that. They're going to do some things that they want to do, but they're going to have to be able to get the guys in here to do that. So we're just going to have to be patient when it comes to that. Yeah, you know, the play that kind of jumps out and why I like that question so much is late in the game, they had a really nice drag across the middle by the tight end. The play was there. Uh, Logan Long made, I think, his first catch of the season in that. Maybe I missed one out there, but they, they brought him down for one yard catch because simply he's not an athletic guy that could get away from people that's right uh, you know and in reality i think he's going to end up as a tackle and he's a big yep. hey, he'd be an athletic tackle he's an unathletic tight end <clears throat> that's right and uh i think in the off season I personally would start making that conversion. We'll see what they do with him. But they just really do need some some better uh, tools with which to work in within this offense. And to think that the, the feature guys outside of Skyler in some ways uh, are those running backs that they brought in as grad transfers, maybe that's something they'll have to do again next season at other positions to try to go find someone, including maybe a tight end. We'll see how they work that out. A couple more questions here, Brian. Um, we talked about this briefly in the first half, but I think this is worth revisiting by Wizard 6294. Seems like they're getting penalized a lot this year. What's up with that? It, it's, I mean, it, like I said, I'm a son of an old football coach. Either they're, it's, they're being allowed to do it or they're being coached to do it. Well, you know coaches aren't coaching penalties. So obviously it's something that's going on. Uh, maybe it's happening in practice. 
and they're not doing it. That was one thing that I know. I mean, I was, I was here. Coach Snyder did not allow penalties. If you committed penalties in practice, there was a price to be paid. I'm not. I haven't been any practices. I don't know. Um, but something's got to change, and it's a mindset that's going to change because we didn't want to commit penalties because we didn't want to run. And that was our penalty for, you know, that was our punishment for committing these penalties. And I don't know what the it, – it's just a mindset. We, we've got to be better. We can't just have these mental breakdowns, effort penalties. You know, that, that's middle, middle breakdowns. It's just – it's disheartening. And it's not something that you're used to seeing Kansas State do. We've got to make that change because you can't win with kind of what we've talked about with the roster that we have. You can't make those kind of penalties. You can't make those kinds of mistakes and then go and try to win. It's not going to happen. No. No, it was. Uh, it's very disappointing to see some of these penalties that are popping up. And um, I, it's funny you brought that up. I got a text during the course of the game from an ex-player that said it's time to get some guys running in practice for the con- to suffer some consequences of what they're doing in games and and uh, maybe get the trainers cleaning up some barf. I mean, the managers yep. cleaning up some barf because this has got to stop. I mean, the, pers- the personal foul yeah. penalties are the most troubling, over and yep. over and over, and that is just a lack of discipline that yep. can't be tolerated. Because you're right, this isn't Oklahoma. This isn't a, a high-end program that can overcome that. <clears throat> but you also said this quite correctly. Even those programs blow up games by being penalized too much and having those things. At Kansas Absolutely. State, when you're walking the fine line, uh, one penalty can be the difference between winning and losing. And that might have been true in this game with that. You know, I don't want to put it on Trey Deshaun, but that was a silly penalty early in the game that really gave West Virginia some traction that they didn't want to give them. Well, I mean, and there's that kind of penalty. It's like, what was he even thinking? I mean, and that's the whole that's mind-numbing. It's like, what are you thinking? Why would you even think to do something like that? You know, I, I don't know. It, it's got. I know it's got to change. It's got to change right now. Well, let's uh, take one more question from Wabash Station, and it's a good one. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I want you to respond to the response to this. Exhausted nihilist says this: "One step forward, two steps back. Can anybody get too far like that?" I don't know if he meant to rhyme, but it was pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> I don't think they're taking one step forward, two steps back. I, they're six and four, so mathematically, there's three steps forward, two steps back. Uh, but it is frustrating. This was just a frustrating, maddening day because they just never got going. And right when you thought maybe this team, they've won three in a row, hey, they're turning turning it around, they're really getting into themselves, they're beginning to figure out the systems, doink and doink. They lose two games that they had opportunities to win. Yeah, it was. I mean, we're not taking two steps back. I don't want to hear that nonsense. It, it, it's it's maddening when fans say that. I know they're frustrated. I get it. I'm 100 percent get it. But we're six, just like you said. We're six and four. We're not four and six. So you know we're we're bowl eligible. We were not bowl eligible last year. So that's a step forward in itself. So uh, we gotta. Just stay the course. Just you know, just stay the course. We have season left. We have it'd be one thing if the season ended today. And you're right. It would be frustrating to know that we gave away two games at the end of the year. We have an opportunity to rectify that. So let's just be patient and let's just, you know, 
guys get better, get better, get better in practice, and come out with a better effort next week. Is that? Is, I think that was more maddening to me. Is that I, I don't think that the effort was necessarily there. You know, and I just don't. I watched the game. I saw what was going on. I don't think the effort was there. And you got to have effort. You know, we're a team that needs to play hard every single week. Everybody needs to play hard every single week. And when you don't, you get beat. So even by a team that you're better than. Yep. It was a frustrating day indeed. His, his name's Brian Hanley, former Kansas State offensive lineman on those 97 and 98 Wildcat teams that were so good and in many ways helped the program turn the corner into greatness under Bill Snyder. Brian, thank you very much. And uh, we Absolutely. will, as we close up this week's Powercat postgame podcast sponsored by Caddyshack. Uh, Caddyshack Golfware. It's Caddy with two T's. Make sure you visit Caddyshack Golf and, and use GPC for your free shipping. Uh, let's hear from Coach Chris Kleiman to close this up and how he wrapped it up on the Learfield IMG K-State Sports Network. And Again, we appreciate all this from Wyatt Thompson and company at Learfield for helping us out. Chris Kleiman puts a pretty good bow on a bad day at the Bill. You can look at offense, defense, and, and special teams, and uh, I think the lack of us just making the play, whether it's the routine play uh, or a special play, we just weren't able to do that. And, and when you don't do that with the type of offense we have or the type of defense that we have, uh, you're going to be in four-quarter games. And lo and behold, you're in a four-quarter game. It can go either way, and uh, they make a big play uh, in, in the fourth quarter to get themselves a lead, and we can't uh, overcome it. You've been listening to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast presented by Caddyshack Golf. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.